0: Welcome to Extraordinary People, the podcast that highlights people who inspire others, have made significant contributions to the world, or who have overcome adversity. This show is hosted by Shirley Wachtel, author, educator, wife, mother, and grandparent. Learn more and subscribe today at ShirleyWachtel.com.
1: And now, here's my grandma, Shirley Wachtel.
0: Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Extraordinary People. Uh, today, I'm very happy to introduce an old friend, uh, uh, Neil O'Lawner. And Neil O'Lawner's interest in photography began when he served in the Air Force on Guam from 1966 to 1968. During that time, Japanese cameras such as Nikon and Pentax were being manufactured and were available at the base exchange. He soon became part of the Kodachrome generation and learned the basics of operating a SLR single lens reflex camera. Some of his work was noticed by a gallery owner in New Brunswick who provided artwork to some of the big pharmaceutical corporations in New Jersey. The gallery sold many of his black and white images to these companies over the years. And this orthodontist soon would make a switch to a career as a full-time photographer. 15 years ago, When he moved to New York City, he began to capture colorful images of people, culminating in his first self-published book, Coney Island Merriment, Mermaids and Memories, in 2019, followed by a second book, Masked in Manhattan, Images of People Going About Their Daily Lives in the City During the Pandemic. Neil joined SOHO Photo Gallery on White Street in Tribeca and exhibits there on a regular basis. So uh welcome Neil. It certainly is a pleasure to speak uh with you again, uh, not in the confines of sure. your um dental practice with uh I, a couple of my son got sons got their braces from you. And uh I was just so delighted to see this um Changing career for you, and um, I'd like to begin by talking about how that came about because, um, you know, I'm sure you, uh, you were fulfilled to some extent by your job, and you went through a lot of training to become an orthodontist, so why the change?
1: Well, I think to have a, a fulfilling life, a person needs to have more than a, a job needs to have a hobby, needs to have something to go ahead and fulfill his time and uh, pass the hours as well as create something that he's very proud of. So uh, I found that in, in photography. And in the beginning, I got in to learn the whole process from film developing in the darkroom um, to printing. But uh, as time went by, the process became more technologically involved because you had to learn Photoshop. Very few people were using film at that point. And I, I transitioned to digital. I transitioned from a 35-millimeter camera to a large format camera with a cloth over your head. And then I went strictly digital. In the beginning, my images were only color, uh, only black and white, and then they transitioned to color.
0: You said that you you really developed an interest in photography um, when you served in the Air Force. And, and so... Um, this was always something that that you really did for many, many years before doing this full-time, making the hobby really more than that, going the next step.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess I learned all the fundamentals of operating a single-lens reflex camera as far as depth of field and exposure and ISO and all the things that you need to know. But I, as I said, I was in the Kodachrome generation. I took pictures of family. I took pictures of the island that we lived on. I took pictures of the travels that we did, whether it was to Japan or Taiwan or Okinawa. And actually, we had a group of physicians and dentists who used to meet on a monthly basis. And people used to show uh, their pictures to others. And we used to set Mm -hmm. up a slide projector. And uh, I got lots of comments that I had a pretty good eye. So I I continued doing that for many, many years when my kids were young, documenting my family's travels, my kids growing up. But what changed my life completely was a, a, a trip to San Francisco, California, and specifically to the Carmel-Monterey area, where I went to a, a gallery that exhibited Ansel Adams' works. And I got to see them, and certainly I'd, I'd seen those all along in books and calendars. But when you see the real thing, the 20 by 25 image on the wall uh, in glowing black and white, I said to my wife, I, I, I need to learn how to do these things. So I transitioned from just, and I wanted to only do black and white. I only wanted to do landscapes, and I did that for many years. And I realized I was not going to become the next Ansel Adams living in New Jersey, but uh, I was always interested in photography.
0: Right. And and for those uh, not familiar with Ansel Adams, would you um, tell our listeners what he's best known for?
1: Ansel As, Adams was a photographer who did most of his work. He lived in California. He did most of his work in the West. And uh, he, he was an incredibly detailed photographer. His most famous images are the black and white images that he did in Yosemite National Park and in, uh, in Utah. And uh, his blacks are beautiful, brilliant blacks. His whites are glowing. And he invented a system of exposure called the zone system which used to be used to make precise, uh, precise exposures and developments of the sheet film that he processed. He didn't use roll film like we do in cameras now. Uh, we, he used the sheet film. In other words, each sheet of negative film was four inches by five inches. And each sheet had to be inserted into the wooden camera in the back. And uh, the detail that you got out of the negative of four inches by five inches compared to one that was 35 millimeter or 35, 35 millimeter, 36 millimeter times 24 millimeter was 10 times the clarity because you're exposing so much more silver grain than you would to a 35 millimeter uh, roll film. So his pictures were superb. He was, he gave courses and he was the idol of most black and white photographers of the 1930s through 1960s.
0: At, at what point did you know that some of the pictures that you were, you know, dabbling with as a hobby um, would would maybe make a new profession for you?
1: I never intended to be a new profession. I never knew how, how much money that I'd make. And frankly, the amount of money that I make is uh, very small to the amount of pleasure that I get in doing it and creating a finished product. So, uh, but I guess it was... The gallery in, in New Brunswick that recognized me uh, was introduced to my work. Uh, she said, gee, she had a market for those kinds of things because her clients were some of the big pharmaceutical companies that uh, were in Middlesex County. Among that was Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer and Bristol Myers. So she started to go ahead and peddle my photo- photographs to Johnson & Johnson. And uh, they, they wound up buying about a dozen Bristol Myers and Pfizer did the same. And before I know it, I had two jobs. I, I was working in, in, the, uh, in the in the dental office during the day getting phone calls uh-huh. from the gallery as hey the Johnson and Johnson needs this print or Pfizer needs this print. So I went <laughs> down to the dark room and I, and I and I produced some work for them. So uh, I think that that's went great. Yeah yeah, it was great. It was very, that was very it was, it was like a it was like a second feather in my cap. And I enjoyed, I
0: enjoyed doing it. Okay. So I have, I have so many questions for you because I, I love taking pictures and I'm a a real, and of course, you know, nowadays we all take our, our pictures on our phones. And I know I'm a real annoyance to my family because I'm documenting every and like, Oh, just let, let appease mom, you know, let's just get it over with and pose. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but um can you um well take us through the process from capturing a subject and 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 with that let me let me maybe we should start here what types of subjects interest you most and we know it's it, you're not a landscaper really and right. I know the answer to this question because I've seen your work on, on Facebook uh, but let us let everyone know what it, what subjects interest you the most as a photographer.
1: So I live in New York City now and New York City is perhaps the capital of street photography in the world. Street photography means you go down on the street and you observe people interacting in their world, in the city world, uh, my, my eye tends to uh, humorous juxtapositions. When I, uh, I see things that seem to be very similar or very opposite uh, in the street and things that strike my eye, and many of them are, are of a humorous nature, that's what, uh, that, that's what initiates the click of the camera. None, practically none of my subjects knows that they are the subject of the photograph and that they've made an image of them. And the laws in New York and many other states are that if you're in a public domain, like the street or like the subway, uh, you are a uh, free game for uh, photographers that may wanna snap a candid image. If you're in a private uh-huh. property, like a house or an office, you're, you're off limits. So I take advantage of going into public spaces, Coney Island, the subway, walk down Fifth Avenue, And just look for interesting people in interesting situations with interesting lighting. And I I take their picture. And and at the end of the day, I come home and I see what I've gotten. And And then the laborious process starts as far as editing, which we can talk about when you're ready to do that.
0: Yes. So, um, can you give us a couple of examples? Because, you know, I, I know one comes to mind where you took a picture of someone looking at, um, a piece of art, which kind of resembled that individual, the viewer. Okay. so yeah. maybe can you can you um, maybe give us some more details, some examples of those kinds of pictures where you kind of you, you have to look at it again and again and go, hmm, that's that's cute. That's interesting. You know.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. the picture that you referred to, if I recall, was uh, I, I do a lot of my work in museums. I enjoy photographing people, uh, observe observing art. And I think that the one that you refer to is a blonde lady with curly blonde hair a wavy blonde hair and she was she had a red scarf around her neck and she, she was looking at a big oil painting of a woman that resembled her uh, except it must have been done in Austria or England or Germany in the 15 or 1600s and there was if you look at the hair you look at the neckline you look at the dress of that woman with the blonde wavy hair it's almost a mirror image of the subject that was painted, that was on the wall at the Metropolitan Museum.
0: And I, and I found that- and you uh, were at the, in the right place at the right time, I guess. Ex-
1: exactly. And the woman never knew I took, mm-hmm. took her picture. And I do lots mm-hmm. of that stuff. I have a series on my website called People Looking at Art. And you'll see many of those things where there are juxtaposed people that look alike or strange and uh, juxtaposed with the piece of art that they're looking at.
0: And I know you, you were recently in Florida. And so- so your pictures were a little different, um, yeah. that you, your photographs that you took there. How so?
1: Actually, I'm still in Florida and I we've we rented okay. for, three, for three months in Delray Beach. We're having a great time as far as weather, but the photography mm. is not even close to what it is in New York. Um, the, the, the streets are not crowded. Uh, I don't want to take pictures of golfers. I don't want to take pictures of sunrises and sunsets and all the beautiful things that people take. I like grittier things. I like more uh, comedic things. And uh, the photography is very, very different because there aren't that many people on the street and uh, not so many interesting people on the street in Florida compared to the, uh, the melting pot that is New York. Yes.
0: Yes. Very very true. I think. Um, so, um, now I, I'm really curious about that editing process. You've, you've gotten a bunch of pictures. Where do you go from there?
1: Okay. So, what I do with my raw files, in each, each file that I have is maybe about 25 megapixels. So, I load these up into a, a program that's made by Adobe. It's, co- it's called Lightroom. Uh, Adobe makes two main programs. One is called Lightroom and one is called, everyone has heard is another one called Photoshop. So I bring them into a program called Lightroom. And in Lightroom, I can do the cropping of the image. In other words, to take the, the integral part of the image that I want and eliminate the, the rest of it. Um, and then I can adjust tonality. I can jo- adjust the contrast. I can adjust the brightness. Uh, and I can go ahead and adjust the, the darkness. So I get all of those light values, dark values in the right position. And then I bring it into another program called Photoshop, which is a little bit more sophisticated, where I can go ahead and uh, play with very, very small parts of the of the image. If I wanna just go ahead and get a little bit more light on the person's shadowed head, I can do that quite easily with Photoshop. Many people talk oh. about Photoshop where they're switching heads around and doing all kinds of right. crazy things. I don't do that at all, What I use those two programs is to enhance the digital image that I've gotten raw out of the camera, to go ahead and create a product that's most aesthetic and, uh, and I, uh, I, th- th- those kinds of processes from the time I put it in to the uh, computer and to the time that I'm happy, could take maybe an hour with each image. And then I'll go back and look at it again the next day and- and and see if i still like it if i really like it and i think that it may be a, c- a candidate for a show i have a big printer uh, that, that takes um about two feet long by a foot and a half paper and i'll print it out and i'll consider it consider it for exhibition in the gallery
0: okay but okay.
1: it's a very That's... it's a very tedious it's much more tedious than it than, than uh in the dark room because in the darkroom, right. room you only had 20 or 30 seconds to work on an image and in in the light room and in photoshop on the computer you can you can work on you can work on it for hours to keep getting a little improvement after little improvement in the darkroom, room the time right. is very limited
0: right right i see um so can you tell us uh, a little bit about uh, your two books, and one really, uh, you know, I just remember during the pandemic, your you, all you, those pictures, were, those photographs, was so fascinating. And I, and that's, I guess, masked in Manhattan. But tell us about right. your your two books.
1: So, yeah, so I did two books. Both of them I I, I self published uh, because the, I went to a couple of publishers, and both of them wanted to publish the book, but then they told me something that I didn't really register. They said, we'll publish the book. We can get you distributed to Barnes and Noble. We can get you book signings here and there, but you have to go, you're not a very famous photographer. You're going to have to contribute to, toward the process. I said, what does that mean? And they said, well, if you give us $20,000, we will, uh, (laughs) we'll do, we'll do all these things for you and get you in and we'll distribute. I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a young, up-and-coming artist. I don't want to spend twenty thousand dollars to jumpstart my career. I want to just publish a hundred or two hundred books, and I want to go ahead and sell them or give them to my family, and maybe some people want to buy them. So um, I went ahead and I did it by myself. I found a wonderful printer and a wonderful book designer that can go that helped me with the layouts of these things. So, uh, and and she helped me to go ahead and organize and seek and sequence. The photographs in the book. The first book I think was called Coney Island, uh, M- Memories, Mermaids, and uh, uh, Mermaids. memory yeah, Meriment um, Mermaids Mer- 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 and Memories. Mermaids
0: right? and Memories, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and I, uh, I guess I was photographing Coney Island maybe six or seven years at that point. And I used to go like at least a half a dozen times a year and, and make images. So I. I started off maybe over a thousand images. I culled them down to about 150. And then my book designer culled them down to about a, a hundred. And those are the ones that we have in the book and uh, just documents. Coney Island, it's a, it's, it's a great place to photograph because the light is wonderful. There are no big buildings casting shadows on, 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 on the people in your images. The people are uh, very, very diverse. From Latinos to African Americans to Caucasians to tourists, it's an amazing, homo- uh, it's a, a, an amazing melting pot in Coney Island and many unusual people. So it's it's just and the and the colors uh, it's 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 visual overload in Coney Island. So I did that for a... right that, well, after that book was published. The pandemic came. For a street photographer, you really need lots of people on the street. Interacting and and there was nobody on the street. You could walk down as Trump as, as Trump used to say. You could walk down Fifth Avenue and no one's there. So uh, I just started to photograph individual people going about their daily work wearing masks. In the website that I uh, that I have, one of the sections is is devoted to specifically that. It's called Masked in Manhattan. Out of the hundred images in the book, maybe thirty or forty are on that website. So if the viewer or the listener is interested, they can see what I did during the during the pandemic. It was it was interesting stuff. And you know what? When you look back ten or twenty years from now, you can say, wow, that was 2020 to 2022. That was kind of a rough time for the city to go through, but we survived it. And I'm making some images that could be historical in nature.
0: Oh, sure. We have a visual record of history. I mean, what could be better? Right, exactly. Um, so, okay. And and all the pictures that you take,
1: generally they're in color. Yeah. 99% of the. I take them all in color. Some of them, I think, work best black and white. So it's very easy on the computer to go ahead and transform an image from color to black and white. And then work on the contrast control um, in black and white. Uh, but but okay. all, but all the pictures
0: I take I take her in color. Okay, so this is a, a, another question for you, um, uh, because you've been doing this so long, and and even though you say, well, it's really you know a hobby for me, but it's I consider you. A professional photographer. And um, I, I'm sure a lot of people would be interested, um, like myself, in your advice on how to take a good photo of someone.
1: I guess the first thing is know your equipment. You know, uh, you know, if you can, other than using an iPhone or a, a, cell, a cell phone, if you're having, if you have a digital camera, uh, you should know your equipment, you should know your f-stops, you should know your depth of field you should know your uh, the shutter time in other words if i'm walking down the street i'll set my shutter speed to a 500th or a 1000th of a second okay and that will stop it so mm-hmm. because people are walking on the street if i have it at one 1/125th one of a second that's not fast enough to, to stop to stop the motion to stop the blur so i typically will set it at 500th of a second so i know that it stops that stops uh, the motion. I also will will set my f-stop, which which creates depth of field. In other words, you see some pictures where only an eye is in focus, and everything in front or everything in back is blurry. That's called depth of field. In street photography, I want everything to be in focus. So I'll set my aperture for something that will do that, which is usually f8, f11, f16. So uh, there's there's different parameters that you have to know as far as technologically knowing your camera. Also, look for good light. The you know the, the light is what paints the picture. And if you have poor light or shadowed light, you know you want to avoid that. So I the, the best photos are made in not in bright su- sunlight, but in um, bright shade. With because sometimes bright sunlight you get sunspots and high spots and. Very bright spots and very dark spots. So look for open shade. Uh, that's, that's probably the, uh, the best. And you have to have an interest. If you're doing street photography, just get an interesting face or an interesting color or an interesting costume or an interesting interaction or or an interesting pet that they're with. So there's so many things that make an interesting photograph that wants to, that makes the viewer come and look at it for more than a second. To study it and say, wow, what's happening here? Let me see. Is this a story? What is the story? So you want to, you want to gain some interest in, in, you know, from the, from the viewer. And you want them to take more than a cursory look.
0: Right. And I think some of what you said certainly applies uh, to photographers like myself, who I'm just, you know, right now I'm just limited to taking pictures on my phone. And you can still get some pretty good pictures on the phone. You can get some
1: great, great pictures on the phone. Great. But the Mm -hmm. thing is, well, you know, 99.9% of all pictures taken these days never hit a piece of paper to be printed or, or put on a wall. Or in a gallery, yes, it's all it's, yes. all it's all electronic. Well, that's fine, but I think there's nothing like a really fine photograph that's printed well and exhibited in good light in a gallery. So that's what I aim to do. Yes, you know just do as much as I can of this and print the ones. And the, I'm in a fabulous gallery uh, downtown New York in, in, in Tribeca. It's called Soho Photo, and it's on 15 White Street is just uh, just south of uh, canal and it was founded by photographers 51 years ago uh by the new york times so these photographers were uh new york times photographers who were looking for a venue other than their photojournalistic work and they formed this gallery and those men and women are not not around anymore but the gallery is a cooperative gallery it's limited to about 100 photographers there's big space where we usually have four or five shows that change every month.
0: Lastly, and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna get some information for our listeners, um, but before that, um, I want to go back to what we started with. What advice do you have? for individuals who may be dabbling in a hobby and um, just you know whether they be a photographer, an artist or a writer or a gardener and maybe m- taking the next step um, okay. to to making your passion um, a, a, a f- more of a full-time career, if you will.
1: First thing or, is get it, get educated. You know, so I mentioned before, learn your camera, but you need to take courses, and I have taken many courses at a place in New York City called ICP, International Center for Photography, they used to be on uh, uh, in the in the 50s and Sixth Avenue, but they moved down uh, to the Bowery, uh, Lower East Side area. They have a wonderful school, some world-renowned teachers that will teach you any aspect of photography from beginning photography to lightroom to photoshop to printing to lighting and all those things and you'll get to meet some wonderful people that are in the same situation as you and there's some wonderful uh, critiques that, that are available you know in the you know if you want to advance you know everyone loves their images but if you want some critique you need someone else to look at it and give you hints so be, between those kinds of schooling that i've done and the critiques that I get from my fellow members at Soho Photo, where we all help each other and try to go ahead and uh, help each one get to the next level. I think that you need to be trained and you need to have people to look at your work. And thirdly, you need to go to galleries where good photos are exhibited. And there are tons of those in New York City, from museums to private gallery. And look what a good image really looks like. And then you can learn from those composition and lighting and you're bound to advance just keep doing it and i can't, i just i don't leave my house without my camera around my neck because uh, i don't want to miss a shot and it's a light camera now it's a little, a little 35 mm uh digital leica which is a german camera and i i use it every every day and you never can tell what you're going to see and if you don't have the camera you miss the shot
0: that's right and you got to capture those moments where you can't yeah
1: i mean you know, if this you, if is you, if this you're gonna is really... If you're going to go to Yosemite Falls, you know, you can you can hang around there for a couple of hours and just watch the light change and take the picture. But in the street in New York, if you if you don't get that picture in a millisecond, you miss the shot.
0: Right. Right. That's it. And then it's gone forever. Right.
1: So you don't want to miss it.
0: Yes, yes, that's really fantastic advice uh, that you've given. Um, so, before we leave you, please let everyone know how, uh, where online they can see some of your wonderful work, and um, where they can perhaps uh, get a copy of um, one of your books.
1: Okay. So, uh, as far as my website is concerned, it's www. Neil n e i l Lawner L A W N E R photo p h o t o dot com. So that's one word. www.NeilLawnerPhoto.com. Neil You'd be able to see the things that I did in the different series that I have done over the years.
0: And we, if we wanted a copy of your book,
1: one of your um, books, yeah, you could you can contact me directly, uh, and my email is nlawner at hotmail N- Launer,
0: launer at hotmail at okay hotmail. that's
1: my email address. so if anyone wants to contact Perfect. me with comments or questions i'd be happy to oblige
0: okay well this has really been um such a, a fascinating discussion i enjoyed speaking with you again and um thank you so much and i wish you continued success
1: thank you Shirley. it's been a pleasure contacting me.
0: thanks for listening to this episode of extraordinary people To learn more about Shirley Wachtel and to subscribe to the show, head to ShirleyWachtel.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Extraordinary People.